2, <clears throat> Acts chapter 2. Um, for some time we have been talking about the autonomy of the local church, and and uh, I know that's a, the uh, the word autonomy is a is a is a my father-in-law would call that a five-dollar word, and uh, <clears throat> basically it's a compound word that literally means uh, uh, self-rule. So basically, in a nutshell, the Bible teaches that our church is to govern or rule uh, itself. Does that make sense? Uh, <clears throat> it's been a couple of weeks since we uh, have been on this subject because of uh, the, the canceling the service because of the weather and then the revival and just everything uh, going on. So the first thing that we talked about is the purpose of the local church. Can anybody tell me, in a nutshell, you don't have to go into a long de uh, description, but what is the purpose of the local church? Brandon? Okay, equipping the saints for the ministry. Okay, what does that mean? In a practical sense. John? Okay, all right. Anybody else want to uh, expound on that? Candy? Okay, making disciples. Okay, yeah, that's what it would be. Anybody else? Okay, okay. <clears throat> How many of you um, work a job or have worked a job uh, in your life? Okay, we all have other than the little people. Okay, <clears throat> how many of you learned your job? Or, or let, let me let me rephrase this. How many of you that went to college came out of college and said, "I have learned all I need." <laughs> okay, one person. <laughs> okay, in a sense, I, I I heard a statistic one time. And it's been so long ago, I can't, I can't remember the exact number, but I know it was in excess of 60%, probably closer to 80% of people that went to college are not working in the field that they went to college for. Okay? <clears throat> so so y'all understand where I'm going, okay? So what happens... Uh, well, let me use my mom for an example. My mom never went to college. Uh, she went to high school, graduated from high school. When I was in kindergarten, uh, she went to work and uh, started working at a company called McDonnell Douglas. Have you ever heard of McDonnell Douglas? Okay. Uh, they were later bought out by a company. You may have heard of them. They're called Boeing. Okay. They make airplanes. And my mom uh, was working in a temporary status for McDonnell Douglas. And they had sent out a, a memo com uh, company-wide stating that they were, they were developing a new airplane and they didn't understand or they didn't know if this new airplane would do well or not. So they were, they were promoting people, or, or not promoting people, they were asking people to leave their current positions to work on an experimental airplane that if it failed, they'd lose their jobs. But if, 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 if the plane did well, 
then they would prosper because of it. Does that make sense? That plane was called the DC-10. <laughs> okay? Needless to say, the DC-10 did well, if you know anything about aviation. My mom, because she got in on the ground floor, started working as a secretary in the engineering department. By the time she retired, she had not only worked her way into an engineering position, but she had taught herself how to be an engineer. In fact, guess, guess who trained all the engineers that were coming out of college that were going to work for McDonnell Douglas? My mom. And she had a high school diploma. Okay? In fact, when she retired, she was the only one in the entire company that knew how to do one particular thing. And the FAA, for I, I don't know what it was, but the FAA, for three years into the future, this particular job needed to be done for the FAA. And when she retired, nobody in the company knew how to do it. So guess what McDonnell Douglas did? They hired her back yeah. <laughs> as a contractor and paid her twice what they were paying her before, plus her retirement. Okay, why, why, why do I say all that? What is the job of a local church? It's to teach people how to do the work of the ministry. What was my mom's job at McDonnell Douglas? was to teach people how to be engineers. And it's, and it's not, in the, in, the, in the contextual sense, it is not in a, in a um, what's the word, um, intellectual capacity, it's in a practical capacity. Does that make sense? Because, because what is, what is, let's see, what, um, uh, what's your name? Mike. <laughs> what is it that you said? Okay, teach the saints to spread the gospel. I think John was very similar to that. Okay, and, and a couple of the others, very, very similar. What, what does that mean? Okay, well, to teach, to teach the saints to be able to preach the gospel. I'm sorry? Okay, discipleship. Okay, how do we preach the gospel? Okay, get, go out knocking on doors. You stand there with the Bible and you present the gospel. But what is the most effective personal way to share the gospel to live it okay now are we supposed to go out knocking on doors telling people about jesus christ absolutely are we supposed to uh approach loved ones and friends and and share the gospel with them absolutely but what did jesus do with his disciples he taught them how to live the gospel and by living the gospel, then we're able to communicate the gospel. Does that make sense? So, as a church, our purpose is a very practical purpose. It is not an intellectual purpose. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> so, 
the purpose, the, the primary purpose of the church is to instruct or to teach believers. <clears throat> what is, okay, that was the first point, and we spent a whole week just on that. The second point we spent a whole week on, and that is the function of the church. What is the function of the church? And I gave you several points under this, <clears throat> but it's important that we, again, filter the function of the church through the purpose of the church. We don't want to have an activity just to have an activity. Okay? We don't, we don't do that. We, uh, <clears throat> we have every um, January, the last Saturday in January, I think it's the last Saturday in January, uh, we, we have traditionally for the last uh, nine years <clears throat> done what we call adult soup and movie night. Now, do we do that just so that we can get together, eat soup, and watch a movie? No. Why, why do we do it? Okay, well, we do it for a number of reasons. One would be for fellowship, so that we could encourage one another. So there is an element of, of that. But every movie that, that we watch has a what? Message. Has a message to it. It's not just an empty, entertainment, mind-numbing no purpose movie. If if that's the point, we could stay home and watch the idiot box. So everything that we do, we try our best to filter through the purpose. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> the first thing we talked about was the edification of believers, which we already talked about. Acts chapter two, verses forty-one and forty-two. The second thing that we talked about, and we're not going to read the verses, Chris. We're just going to blow through these because uh, this is review. <clears throat> Where the letter B was to glorify the Lord, and we do this in a number of ways. First off, in uh, in our praise to Him, Acts chapter two, verses forty-six and forty-seven. Praise is an important part of glorifying God. <clears throat> Really, I guess the ones that follow kind of fall under the praise category because prayer, number two, prayer is part of praise, is it not? <clears throat> and, and singing and, and, and uh, number, uh, well, really all of these kind of all fall under, under the category of praise. I should have probably numbered these differently, but that's okay. Uh, you get the point. Uh, the next one is worship. Worship. What does it mean to worship God? We talked about this a few weeks ago, but what does it mean? Does it mean that that we that we sit around and we 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 uh, sit on the floor and we cross our legs and we and we you know hold our arms and go oh oh is that is that worship you know what I mean what what does it mean to worship God? Okay, to commune with God. Anybody else? Really? Okay, that that would definitely be be part of it. Okay, it's all it's all really it's all interconnected, really. Um, but <clears throat> worship and praise and prayer and the next one, giving. Um, you know, again, I, I I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I I, I hate money. I, I you know, when I say giving here, what, what it. 
what is involved in giving? Okay, time, talents, and treasure. They're the three T's. It all starts with the heart. It is really a matter of this right here. Because the reality is, if God's got your heart, he's got your wallet. He's got your calendar, and he's got your talents. The three T's, time, talent, and treasure. And, and when you realize that money is only a small portion of what God wants us to give. It's, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's his life. Number five, loving. We talked, we talked extensively about the, our need to not only love each other, but to love the lost. And then number six, loving, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, living for Christ. <clears throat> living for Christ. And, and, and it, it's really kind of hard because all of these things are all interconnected. Because you cannot live for, for Christ and not do all of these. And you can't praise without doing all of these and, and so on and so forth. But all of these fall under the, the great category of glorifying the Lord. Letter C uh, in our outline uh, was uh, to ordain men for ministry. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> and then also in Matthew chapter 28, <clears throat> verses 18 uh, to 28, the 18 to 20, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. <clears throat> the call to go and preach the gospel is an individual call. It's not a corporate call. Does that make sense? Okay, we are all ordained and commanded by God to share the gospel. But the call to ministry, the, the call that Paul and Barnabas received when they were in Antioch, in Acts chapter, what was it? Uh, Acts chapter 13, <clears throat> was an individual call, and the church then corporately sent them out. And that is that is <clears throat> what is that is exactly what happened uh, when my wife and I came uh, here to start Grace Baptist Church. Our church, our, our church of many many years. <clears throat> Uh, corporately sent us to Friendly, Nevada. Why? Because God had put the call of uh, my heart and life to come to Friendly, Nevada. Our home church recognized that, and they sent us here. That's how it works. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> okay, before we move on to... Uh, number point number three any questions about what we talked about because I just blew through some really important stuff very very quickly uh, oh prayer yeah Acts chapter 2 verse 42 uh, giving uh, worship is revelation chapter 4 verse 11 giving Luke chapter 6 verse 38. Loving, John 13, 34 and 35. And then living for Christ is 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Do I need to repeat any of those? Um, yeah. 
Okay. No, six six thirty eight. Yes. Worship. Revelation four eleven. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Any any questions? Because the rest of this is not going to make any sense if you don't get a grasp of what we talked about. Okay. All right. Now this is this is all new from here on. Okay. The review's done. <clears throat> Luke <clears throat> chapter 2 verse 46 or excuse me Acts Acts chapter 2 verse 46 and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so very much for this day and for you, for the love that you have shown us in so many ways. And Lord, I just ask that you would, in the next few minutes, help us to get a, a little bit better vision of the importance of the local church and, and the importance of our of our and our need of fellowship within that local church. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. It is often, I, I often hear when, when I'm out in public and, and, and people find out that I'm a pastor, I try not to tell people, not that I'm ashamed of it, but people look at me different when they know I'm a pastor. Does that make sense? They're like, ooh, you know, you know. It just—I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of weirded me out a little bit. But um, uh, <laughs> and Morris kept calling me Reverend. I'm like, every every time I'd see him, he's like, "How you doing, Reverend?" I'm like, I hate that word. But he he's, he does that teasingly. But uh, but anyway, um, I I. I I just I try not to communicate to people in the community that I'm a pastor. Um, again, not because I'm ashamed of it, just because they they tend to look at me differently, you know. Anyway, but occasionally when somebody finds out I'm a pastor, one of the first things they say is, "Well, I don't have to go to church to worship God." Now, how many of you have ever heard that idiotic statement? Okay. Okay. Now, now, it, is that statement true? It is true. You do not have to come to church to worship God. However, how many people actually do worship God at home when nobody's home? It doesn't happen. So, <clears throat> well, yeah, at least not consistently. So, <clears throat> but... Who constituted the local church? Jesus Christ did. And he commanded us to be a part of it. So if if God himself constituted the local church and commanded us to be a part of it, then don't you think it's kind of important? Point number three, the representations. I didn't I tried to come up with a better word but I just couldn't I just couldn't come up with a better word the representations the local church 
is primarily emphasized in the New Testament. That's kind of a duh, okay? But <clears throat> because the New Testament is the local church. What was the 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 what, what did people go to in the Old Testament? To the temp, temple, the, the the synagogue, the the tabernacle, so on and so forth. Those are not churches, okay? Please do not think that the temple, the tabernacle, the synagogue is a church. Now, in today, we could drive past a synagogue and say, oh, that's a Jewish church. No, okay? That is not a church. It's a synagogue. It's two totally different things. Now, it may be a place of worship, just like this would be a place of worship, but it's not a church. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, the church is explained in two manners or two representations, if you would. The first one that we want to we want to look at, the first one is the body of Christ. It is a it is pictured as the body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses twelve to fourteen. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be of Jews, <clears throat> whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit, for the body is not one member, but many." Okay, so what does, in a very practical sense, what are these three verses saying? Anybody? There are many of us, but we are here under one spirit. We're, it's one body. <clears throat> as, as I knew I was going, going to be speaking on this tonight, or preaching on it, um, as I was visiting Kyle... Or excuse me, Kyler uh, in the hospital, uh, knowing that he had appendicitis. Little, what, six years old? Six-year-old Kyler lying in the hospital. And every time they touched, I mean, the doctor even looked at touching his stomach. He wanted to jump through the roof. I, I didn't know. I learned something in, in this. The, 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 surgeon, the surgeon took him in to, to uh, emergency surgery, and they were back there for... I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour, and the surgeon comes out and, and uh, says, "You know, we found uh, we found that the that the uh, the appendix was was uh, um, inflamed. I think is what how they 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 term it, and and it actually had had a hole in it and and had burst. And you know, this little six year six year old little boy, you know, and uh, you know now, how many of you?" like me, are medically ignorant. Raise your hand. Okay? Um, I have always pictured the appendix of being about the size of a baseball. Okay? Yeah. Uh, the doctor showed us, he, he, he said his appendix, and he pointed at Kyler, he said, he said really, it's, it's smaller than that. And I thought, you you got to be kidding me. 
So I went home and I got on the internet and I googled what an appendix what does an appendix look like, appendix look like. <clears throat> so I I googled uh, appendix and got in it and a, a full grown person it's it's smaller than your baby finger. And I thought, what well, how can something so insignificant kill you? Now, is there any part of our body that is insignificant? Absolutely not. Or just stub your toe once. I mean, you want to, you know. My my point is this. There are people sitting in the church here tonight that would say, I am an insignificant part of this church. But there is not. There are people sitting here tonight that say, you know what? I'm the appendix or I'm the tonsils or I'm the, the, you know, whatever. You know, when I was a kid, they used to take tonsils out just for the fun of it. I think, you know, when they, they needed to pay their, their dues at the, at the local country club, they would get a couple kids and do tonsillectomies on them or something. Now they're learning, well, oh, you know what? Uh, those are kind of important. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> you know? My point is this. That little appendix could have killed that little boy. I mean, and killed him quickly. How important are you to the church? See, the reality is, and 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 what happens? And and I'm going to step on some toes here, but I, you know what? I'm I'm doing this on purpose because I want to step on your toes. What happens to the body when you say, you know what, I'm not going to church today? They don't care if I come or not. Huh? It's in the body's incomplete. It weakens the body. What 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 would you think if your if your I don't know, your left lung went on strike for a week and just said, you know what, I'm taking the week off. Huh? Yeah, ask Ms. D, yeah. But but you see what I'm saying? Every part has a purpose. Every part has a has a function. And when our body is not complete, who suffers? We all do. You say, but Pastor, you don't understand. I'm not important. Then get important. Because you are important. There is no such thing as an insignificant part of the body. The picture that Jesus gives us, or well, Paul is the writer, but God ultimately wrote the book. The picture that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians is an incredible word picture that we can wrap our brains around. Molly, she's not here tonight. How many? Of you, how many of you know Molly? 
Okay? Do you know she's dying? She needs a kidney. And if she doesn't get a kidney, she's going to die. She's on dialysis right now. That's probably why she's not here. And I'll be honest with you. I thought, you know what? I wonder if I could give her one of mine. And then I asked someone, okay, you know, I, I, I don't know if mine would match. I, I have no idea. But then I asked somebody, I said, I said, hey, what do you think about becoming a, a kidney donor? And the response was, well, if it was somebody I knew, I, I might. Does Molly care who gets who gives her a kidney? No. She just wants a kidney. Why? Because she wants to keep living. But what happened? She's got two kidneys. Well, most people have two kidneys. My I found out my brother-in-law only has one. He was only born with one. Uh <clears throat> Maybe Tommy could give it to her. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> that was an in-law joke, okay? Uh, <laughs> boy, you nobody got it. I'm like, woo! That's why we don't live stream. Yes. Colossians, yeah, am I turning red? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, uh, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ in all and in all. This covers everything. This covers everything. Greek, Jew, barbarian, Scythian, bond, free. Do you realize the dynamics that were happening in the first century church? One of the things, one of the dynamics that we miss is that there, there was no middle class, for one thing. Everybody was either rich or poor, bond or free. And the church was the first place in modern history, in the first century church, where the rich and the poor, the slaves and the slave owners, all came together and worshipped together. Because the ground is level at the cross. Can you imagine the dynamics that were going on there? Slaves and slave owners sitting in the same pews. Worshipping the same God. The filthy rich and the down and outers coming together to worship. The dynamic in the in the first century church was was incredible. The second represents represents Yeah, that word. Represents Yes <clears throat> is it is called the local assembly. 
There is a great emphasis in the New Testament put on the local assembly. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. <clears throat> and, let, uh, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another as some, as some <clears throat> excuse me, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The word, uh, the, the Greek word uh, eglasia is used over 90 times and it literally is making reference to a visible church. Okay, it is not the universal church. If, you, if any of you have ever heard about the universal church, and this is, we're not going to get into that tonight, but it's talking about a physical church. Now, how long... In, in world history, how long have Christians basically worshipped in church buildings? Well, probably maybe three or four hundred. Maybe I doubt it's four hundred. Probably two to three hundred years. So, for what did they do for the other seventeen hundred years? In homes. So when it's referring to a, a, a physical body, what is it? Is it re, it's not referring to a building. It's, re, it's, rever, it's referring to a, a physical group that has gathered together. <clears throat> Acts chapter 9, verse uh, 31. Uh, and, uh, then had the churches uh, rest throughout all uh, Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So the, the, the reference here is to multiple iglesias or, or multiple churches. Okay. Uh, also, we see it in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Uh, the seven churches of Revelation uh, commonly referred to. <clears throat> Nine of 14 of Paul's letters are addressed to local churches. Name one. Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians. Okay, those are local churches that Paul was writing letters to. Okay, so Paul wrote 14, yeah, 14, I I don't have 14 fingers. Uh, there, There you go, 14. He wrote 14 books. That's one, and that's a four. That's 14, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah, how's that? That better? <laughs> it's 14 to me, I don't know. Uh, okay, he wrote 14 letters. Nine of them were to local churches. Three of them were to preacher boys. Anybody know those books? Okay, First, Second Timothy and Titus. So 12 of the 14 books were literally written to the local church. Now, <clears throat> is God a God of order? Yes. He most certainly is. And he has a structure for the local church. 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 14, verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, let, us, let all things be done decently and in order. So, first off, Christ is the head 
of the church. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And he is the head of the body, uh, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And then under that is pastoral leadership. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves uh, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers <clears throat> to feed the church of God, <clears throat> which he hath purchased with his own blood. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves unto uh, uh, submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that have give uh, uh, that they must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So, now I want to I want to park here because most pastors, including myself literally jump over these verses. We, we very seldom talk about these verses. Why do you think that is? Okay, it's like talking about yourself, and, and it's very uncomfortable for me to stand up here and tell you that you need to obey me. But what does the Bible say? That's what it says. Okay, does that mean I have the authority to come into your home and tell you how to live your life? That is absolutely what it does not say. But what does it say? Okay. Brian? Absolutely. Do you, do you have any idea the burden that a pastor carries for his people? You, you have no idea. I had no idea. I thought, I thought before I was a pastor, I, I, I can remember thinking, okay, I got this. I had no idea. Let's, let's read this, this verse again. And Well, we don't need to read it for the sake of time, but I do want to bring up a couple words. The word watch here, it says, for they watch for your souls. What do you think that word means? Okay, keep guard over it. It, is, it would be, a, it's close. Right. Okay, you're, you're right on it. This word carries a huge context of being sleepless. I cannot tell you how much sleep that my wife and I have had over the flock of this church. I can't tell you. It's lots. Oh, so yeah, lots of, yeah, lots of, yeah, lots of sleepless nights. Why? Is that because I, I lay awake at night wrenching my hands and think, oh, what are they going to do? No. I lay, I lay awake, God, be with so-and-so as they're in the hospital. Be with so-and-so. I know they're, they're struggling with their finances or they're struggling with their marriage. And, and all of these things weigh so very, very heavy on, on a pastor's heart. The other thing I want to bring your attention to is the word to give account for. 
it literally means to be held responsible for. I will stand before God for what I tell you. And I will answer to God for that. That in itself carries a huge burden. It is beyond scary. (laughs) To me it is. And Brandon is always asking me for advice. I, I am in so much trouble when we get to heaven. But I, I felt like tonight I just needed to, to, to kind of relay to you some of the burden that a pastor carries. It, it, it can be at times incredibly overwhelming. The third, the third structure would be the deacon. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, <clears throat> look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost uh, and wisdom, whom you may appoint over this business. And we'll be talking in depth about deacons and stuff later on, so I'm not going to get into that. But most importantly, and this is really where the rubber meets the road, number four, congregational agreement. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and uh, uh, Procurus, and blah, 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 um, uh, whom they set before the apostles. And when they uh, had played, uh, they laid their hands, or excuse me, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Again, the sending out of, of the... Uh, of the um, uh, the preachers, if you would. But the key here was at the very beginning, and the saying pleased what? The whole multitude of one accord. <clears throat> it is important that we understand the New Testament representations. And I could, and I could keep going on this, uh, and for time's sake, I, I have to cut it off at some point. But God, <clears throat> when God instituted the local church, he did it for a reason. And and one of the things you need to go back and read, we, we I touched on it in, in Hebrews, um, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, lays out a huge responsibility that we have for each other. We, we are to pray for each other. We are to exhort one another. That means get in, get in someone's face periodically. You know, we need accountability. We need fellow believers in our church to help us stay healthy, if you would, spiritually. We need that. And then number four, and in closing, <clears throat> the local church should be a family. The local church should be a family what do families at least in my opinion this is this is my opinion here what what should families do best we we got we got each other's backs i mean that's what a family should do right we should be there for each other we should we should fill fill the gaps if you would Well, I'm going to get very transparent here. There are a couple of difficulties that our church is facing 
and I don't have an answer for. Most of you know that, and I've talked about it, but most of you know that I, I spend a lot of time on a hill kind of out here in the desert somewhere. I'm not going to tell you where it is. I don't want you bugging me. That's why I go there. But I spend a lot of time out in the hills praying and asking God for wisdom because of the burden and the responsibility that I have as a pastor. And there are two things that are weighing heavy on my heart tonight. Actually, there's, there, 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 there are three. But I want, to, I want to share a verse with you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, let me ask you a question. I just said that I have spent time out on, on a hill, out here in the hills, praying and asking God to specifically answer a prayer, but I don't have an answer. Has God forsaken my prayers? No. no. Okay. As I, as I have struggled and, 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 and really put my heart out there and, and, and ask God, why, am I have, why do I have no answers to these questions? Important questions that I have no answers for. This may sound spooky to some or whatever. I don't, it does, I don't really care. I just felt like in my heart God said, ask the family. So here you are. Can you put that up, Chris? This is a copy of the nursery list for our church. Now, I, I will say this, and Tina's here, so I, I purposely took Tina off the nursery list because she's moving soon. And she was on here twice. Now, I want you to look at this because... <clears throat> Look at this PM service. This service. That service. This service. Look at Wednesdays. Now, I, I'm just telling you, and, and it's been like this for almost 10 years. And God has still not given me an answer to it. Other than this. I have no choice if something doesn't change very quickly that we will cancel Wednesday night services because it is not fair for my wife to do that. Amen. I don't have an answer. And I don't expect anybody here this, this evening to just jump up and say, oh, I've got an answer because if you did that, you'd be lying. Well, that, that's not true. The answer is obvious to me. We as a church family are missing the point. Why do we have nursery? Do we have nursery? Again, we have to filter the, the function of the church through the purpose of the church. 
Why do we have nursery? Why do we go through it? Why do we ask men and women to go down to, and I did say men, by the way. I have done my share of nursery. I was so thankful that I became a pastor so I wouldn't have to do nursery. No, I'm I'm teasing. My wife knows that if I wasn't a pastor, I would be in the nursery with her. What are we going to do, church? It's not fair that my wife, if every blank spot you have, you can just plug my wife's name into it. What are we going to do? I don't know what to do. I have prayed and prayed for for almost 10 years that God would burden the hearts of our people for a very needed ministry. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you, my wife's burnt out. Just saying. I mean, would you do that for 10 years? And she's going to shoot me when she get when I get home. By the way, she is going not. A, she's going to shoot me, skin me, and then take me out in the desert, dig a hole, and bury me. And then dig me up and throw me off a bridge or something. I don't know, but she's going to be really mad at for what I'm saying here. But my heart is broken because there are people in our church that could be helping and they're not. The second thing that has, you can take that down, Chris, thank you. The second thing that has been an incredible burden to me is Vacation Bible School. Most of you don't know this, because, and it's not because it's a secret, but it, 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 it's just something we've just not talked a lot about. <clears throat> but if something doesn't change in probably the next two or three weeks, we will not be having Vacation Bible School this year. Because Trion, who has done an incredible job of managing Vacation Bible School for, for nine years, her health cannot, she just cannot do it any longer. She just, she, she, and she's in the nursery right now. But her health, she just cannot do it. And I have nobody to turn it over to. What are we going to do? Number three. Junior church. The Pruitts right now have, have they agreed at the beginning of the year to do the first quarter of the year for junior church. Now, how many of you would say that junior church is an important part of our ministry? I, I would absolutely. They're doing it for the first quarter. You know who did it the quarter before that? My wife. You know who did it before that? 
Well, actually, it was Andrew and April did it for about a, about a year before they went down to Earrington to help, help his dad's church. And you know who did it before that? My wife. It ain't happening. I, I'm not going to let it happen again. I'm just saying, I can't. Do you know what happens to a person that never gets fed? You starve to death. What are we going to do? I had somebody recently come to me and say, Pastor, I want to do something in the church. As long as as it doesn't involve kids. <laughs> you know what? They're still not serving. Because how do we serve God? Do we serve God on our conditions or His? Yeah. On His. Whether it's scrubbing the toilets or teaching the kids or whatever it's like. Whatever it is. I'm sorry? I don't know what you're... Oh, oh, okay, yes. One of my professors in college. Thank you, I had totally forgotten. His, his illustration for serving God was with open hands. That's how we're to serve God. And I can continue on. But my point is this. If we're going to be a healthy body, all the parts have to work. Again, what what would your body do if your if your I don't know your kidneys said you know what I want a week off, or your you know you pick your body part your baby finger I I don't care I think you get the point. And I'm just telling you, you can abuse me. All day long, and I, I'm not saying anybody. I, I, that's that was wrong wording. That that's that that's not what I meant. But my wife is tired, and and I, I cannot let it happen anymore. For nine years, almost ten years, she has served, and she has. She we have left this place more than once in tears. And it's just, I, I can't let it go on. But we're a body. What are we going to do about it? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.